Hey guys, it's Alec here to remind you to check the trigger warnings before today's episode. So get comfy and you can find everything in the description down below, including our new transcripts. Have a safe listen. Mythale presents Circe's Episode 13, The Other Side. Please sit down, Miss Ketch. Would it be okay if I recorded this session? It's just for your personal file. Uh, no one but your carers will be able to access this material. Um, I suppose that's okay, yeah. Alright, case 4813903-20. Recorded on the 29th of December, 2022, by Elias Emanuel Short, therapist in training at Sunshine Valley Mental Institution. Session with Miriam Ketch. Regarding? Regarding my hemineglect diagnosis. All right, Miss Ketch. As you are. In my own experience, hemineglect makes you unaware of one half of your body. In my case, my left side. A person with this condition will often neglect that part of their body. How long have you been struggling with hemine neglect? I would say I've had the symptoms since I was a kid, but they weren't as severe back then. Do you feel comfortable telling me a bit about your childhood and how you think your diagnosis has played a role in it? I think I first started noticing signs of it around the age of seven. I remember hurrying down the staircase in my parents' old house, dressed for school, when my legs suddenly seemed to gain a mind of its own. I lost control of my body and missed the next step. I fell far down those stairs and hit my head on the wooden handrail at the bottom. I still have a scar where the doctors had to sew up the wound on my head to stop the bleeding. I know it could have been an accident, but it truly felt like I no longer owned that side of my body. I see. Did events like that occur often throughout your childhood? Honestly, I'm not too sure. After my head injury, I experienced a few side effects, which makes me a bit unsure about the actual reasoning behind the disturbing behaviour. Could you explain to me what type of side effects you experienced? Since it was a blow to the head, some of the physical effects led to blindness in my left eye, moderate numbness around the top area of my head, and hearing loss in the left ear. I seemed to often zone out, and it was hard to connect to a part of my body that hardly functioned anymore. I know it must sound odd, but... I'd almost forget it was there at times. That's rather fascinating. How do you think that could have affected your earlier mentioned condition, Miss Ketch? Well, I realise it's hard to prove that the condition did in fact appear in my youth, since I suffered an injury at a young age. Trust me, many doctors still don't believe I truly suffer from hemineglect, since common side effects from severe head trauma match some of the things I've been experiencing in my later life, and of course, in my youth. I can see why that would be, but you did reach out to me because of a recent event. Is that correct? Oh yeah. I almost forgot about that. 
Does this recent event have anything to do with the bruise around your neck, Miss Ketch? It does shine a light on where it came from. Very well. Um, you can just start whenever you feel ready. Well, it's all a little complicated, so I apologize if it comes off a little messy. No worries, Miss Ketch. Unfortunately, I cannot give you proper time frame, since there have been small episodes like this one multiple times throughout my life. The first one being the odd behaviour on my leg on the morning I sustained my head injury. The episodes weren't plentiful in my pre-teen years. It was only on a few odd days that the left side of my body would seem to suddenly have a mind of its own. It had led to many injuries in my teen years. Has it been a bigger influence in your adult life than in your teen years? I believe the mental strain it has uh, had upon me has worsened slightly since my teen years. I'm 31 now, and I had hoped that by the time I was in my 30s, I would have shed the feeling of being an imposter in my own body. What do you mean by imposter in your own body? Could you explain that to me? It's like having an off day, no matter how hard you try to concentrate on whatever it is in front of you. It just never seems to come into focus. It's like you have been granted the uncomfortable right to see the world through the foggy eyes of someone else. You feel captured within a body that you could have sworn belonged to you. The skin in your hands might feel the touch of different materials pressing against it, yet something about it comes off as wrong. How do you explain a feeling you were yet to rationalise to your own brain? When I feel like an imposter within my body, it's as if someone pulled me back inside my meagre skull, sewing my soul to the very back of it, so no matter how hard I squint, the eyes never truly align with mine. My arms feel like oversized weighted blankets that get heavier and heavier the more I try to move them, as my chest heaves with the impossible weight of keeping alive a body that, at that moment, doesn't belong to me. Very interesting. I know you're wondering about the bruises. I can see it in the way you look at me. Well, you have a handprint across your neck. It does pique my curiosity as to why you would strangle yourself in such a manner. It wouldn't exactly be the most efficient way to go. I know, it wouldn't even be possible. At some point, my body would have given in to the lack of oxygen, and my hand would have naturally loosened as I passed out. Exactly my thought process. Want to explain to me why you did it? want you to keep an open mind as I tell you this. I would love for you not just to stamp psychopath on my forehead the second I start telling you what happened. I assure you, I'll keep an open mind. A few days ago, I started getting a bit of that imposter feeling again. It hadn't been there for a little while, so, of course, I decided to reach out and request a talk with one of the staff members, or a therapist. I got to sit down with Cairo during his break. I spilled my guts to him about my childhood, and the fear that was rising in me whenever this imposter feeling appeared again. He assured me he would keep staff close by my room at night, to assure I had no way of hurting myself. It gave me a small sense of security to see him take my worries to heart, yet I knew my disorder didn't always play by the rules people tried to set around me. A few days before the event, the left side of my body started to slip my mind more and more, until I couldn't even properly make it out in the mirror anymore. In front of me was only one eye, the other one appearing as a blurry mess beside it. My left arm would move slightly without my knowledge. It was only when I threw a cup of milk at Destiny in the cafeteria that I realised how much of a mess my left side had caused me within the privacy of my own room. Destiny still doesn't forgive me, of course. She believes I did it out of anger, 
naturally have been assigned to eat within my own living quarters for now, just until my body is back under control. I would spend hours in the bathroom, trying to focus my eyes on my left hand, drawing an image within my brain of what must look like before it became a blurry mess I saw before me. I was sure that there had been a hand there, an arm or a face even. No matter how hard I tried, I couldn't make out the shape of my own leg or a foot either. It was almost like they had disappeared and become a vapour before my eyes, one strong enough to keep me upright despite its lack of corporate. I would look at my right hand, studying every detail of the flesh and skin that covered the bones beneath it, but it never seemed to work. The day I got the bruises around my neck was also the day I really paid attention to the right side of my body. I had dressed down to take a shower after having neglected it for a day or two too long. As I glanced at my side of my body that was still there, I was shocked to see sets of bruises covering my arms, legs and stomach. They were all in different states of fading, tones of yellow, lilac and blue, even a few hints of green could be spotted on my beat-up body. I cannot for the life of me tell you what caused them. I was never one for self-harm, especially not by beating myself up. Yet, that creeping sense of being the imposter within my own body told me that the hand I could no longer see was the one that had caused me such terrible bruises. I felt ashamed. I wanted to tell the staff what I had done, yet... I was scared of what it would mean for my stay here. So, I kept it to myself. I went around my day as I normally would, yet I found it hard to shake off the feeling as it kept creeping up on me. I knew deep down that I was losing control again, but it's just so much easier to tell yourself that you're overacting or being paranoid. There is a certain comfort in that. Admitting to yourself that you've lost control over the one thing you should be able to trust is harder than people make it out to be. The only people I could talk to within my ward that would understand me were some of my friends who suffered from severe cases of Tourette's. I don't hope to ever fully understand the pain that they must be suffering through, but Feline did sit as quietly as she could as I cried in self-pity. She had the same advice for me that had already crossed my mind a few times before. I talked to Kyra about the bruises and tried to get the help I needed. I assured her that I would drop by the office right and early tomorrow, as I knew Kyra had worked the early shift and must have already left for the day. She did offer her to accompany me, but I didn't think it was necessary. I hadn't felt that imposing feeling as strongly that day, so I was foolish enough to assume that I'd be fine on my own. What could waiting until tomorrow logically do anyway? What were the odds of me uh, ending up hurting myself in less than ten hours? (sighs) Famous last words. I did get back to my room without any problems, The halls were still packed with people as I passed the many rooms that were slowly being filled by their residents. It seemed like they were starting to prepare everyone for night time. My door had been left over for me, and I offered a curt nod to the guard on duty, who offered me a nod and a sweet smile in return. My pills could be found on my nightstand, so I scooped them into my palm before hastily throwing them into my open mouth. I knew it would take a little time for them to start working. I don't have to explain my nightly routine to you, Elias. I assume you must be aware of nearly every single person in your department. I wouldn't be able to remember every single one, Miss Ketch, but I do have a fairly good guess. Well, as I was saying, after I got to bed, I was hit by a wave of this strong sense of uneasiness. My body seemed to blur in and out of existence. I opened my eyes and jolted upright, hardly putting my hands out in front of me. My left hand suddenly flashed before my eyes, and I had to withhold a scream that rose in my throat. 
I didn't quite get a proper look of it, but just in the split second my body allowed me a glimpse of it, I knew that something wasn't quite right. A sharp pain started to shoot through my body, sending panic signals to my brain. The next flash of clearance allowed me to see what had caused the sudden pain. My fingernail had been pulled straight out of my skin and was nowhere to be found. I sobbed, eyes darting to my right hand, which laid motionless beside me. I hadn't done this, just as everything once again became a fog, that pain sprung back, making tears stream down my face. It just wouldn't stop. Every time I caught a glimpse of it, the one pink-tinted skin looked more and more red from the blood pouring down on it. My heart raced in its chest, a slight downward tilt of my head allowed me to finally realise where my nails had gone. Whatever had taken over my body had dug the black polished nails and shoved them deep into my skin, almost as if something tried to drag me off but failed. Someone had placed them there, and I didn't have the means to remove them. I knew screaming wouldn't make a difference, yet, in hindsight, I should have screamed until I had nothing left to give. It didn't take the hand long to notice my panic and hold me onto the hospital floor. I was panting frantically, looking at a hand I had thought was my own, yet it was just an enemy strapped to my body. I couldn't see it for more than a few seconds at a time, but I wouldn't be able to do anything anyway. No matter how fast you run or how well you hide, you can't escape yourself. It grabbed my throat just as I regained my footing, somehow managing to slam me against the wall behind me. It squeaked in surprise, but didn't manage a proper scream before it started squeezing. I couldn't do anything. The weapon used against me was a hand that wasn't there. I fought to grab onto the thin air to no avail, only brushing over the skin of the wrist that was once mine. I couldn't do anything. No matter how hard I tried, I knew this was going to be the end of me, so I let out a last attempt of the scream before it all turned black. I had such a vivid dream after that. It made me believe I was dead, and now I had entered hell to serve out my punishment. Then my dream was disturbed by a sudden bright light. That's when I woke up in the hospital. One of the doctors that had the night shift did fill me in on what occurred after you passed out, and the moments leading up to it. He told me that he heard a thud coming from one of the rooms, which must have been when you fell to the ground. When I was thrown? Right. Yes. Thrown to the ground. He checked a CCTV in your room, only to see you bloody and strangling yourself. That, of course, made him run for the door, which seems to have been bolted shut. He had to break it down with an emergency axe kept in the office. You were found barely breathing. They rushed you to intensive care, and here we are now. That sounds about right. Thank you for talking to me, Miss Ketch. I think I'll leave you for now so you can get some much-needed rest. Kyra will stop by later to have a little chat with you. Please do try to take care of yourself. I will do my best, Elias. Very well. <clears throat> I'm not sure what to make of Miss Ketch's story. I watched the CCTV back and forth, trying to make sense of it. It shouldn't be humanly possible for her to be thrown out of bed all by herself like that no matter how strong she is. There must be a logical explanation. I will try to get to the bottom of this one. Circe's is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. Today's episode featured Alexander Bautna as Elias Emanuel Short, 
Lulu Walsh as Miriam Kitsch. Audio edited by Els Sadi and Henri Johannesson. Manuscript edited by Els Sadi and Rita Bauner. And written by Alexander F. Bauner. If you like what we do, give us a rating on your podcaster of choice. Or check out our Kofi, where we have some art up for sale. Or you can donate however much you feel comfortable with. If you like to engage with more of what we do, check us out on our public Discord. All links will be below in the description. Thank you for today.